Rachel Ames knows she's making a terrible mistake, but that's never stopped her before. Even as she speeds down the empty highway, she's certain nothing good will come of this trip. She can't say why she has this belief, only that it's deeply rooted, part of a visceral animal instinct clawing away at her insides. Call it intuition, or call it common sense, doesn't matter. Can't change the fact that it's the truth. She refuses to change her destination, even if the rising sense of dread causes her heart to beat right out of her chest. She's committed. This much is a fact. So she pushes aside all thought of turning around and focuses on the road ahead. She checks the map on her phone, taking comfort in the little blue dot on the screen that symbolizes the exact spot in the world occupied by her aging Honda Accord with faded red paint, bad muffler, and squeaking brakes. The dot sails along a straight white line surrounded by an ocean of green. She appreciates the simplicity of the image, the perfection of it, an object moving at a steady rate along a direct path toward a specific destination. No hurdles. No obstacles to navigate, not even an intersection or a fork in the road. There are only two decisions to make. To continue forward or stop the car and go back. And there's no chance in hell she's going back. Her two gentlemen passengers are the perfect companions. Silent, good-looking, and only there to cater to her whims and needs. They sit together in the seat next to her sharing the seatbelt. That might have been overdoing it, but strapping them in together makes her laugh, so she forgives herself the indulgence. This is her journey, her time, so acting odd is her prerogative. Besides, the two of them are the perfect complements, Daniels and Underwood, Booze and Typewriter, soulmates bound by common history and mutual reliance. The Underwood typewriter was a great find her sophomore year in college, given to her by Professor McNeely's widow soon after his very public death from a massive aneurysm. It had happened right in the middle of her creative writing class, just as the old bastard was finally saying something nice about her novel in progress. Mid-sentence, he'd slapped a hand to his head made a small grunt, and rolled his eyes back in their sockets. At first, she'd thought he was mocking her work, but then his back arched and he collapsed to the floor. After that came the convulsions, followed by the shit and urine filling his pants as her classmates screamed. Then, as the good book says, the lights went out and Elvis left the building. But unlike Elvis... The man wasn't much loved, a taskmaster who hated any writer besides himself. He used critiques as an assault rifle to mow down any young soul with the temerity to attempt the art that, in his mind, belonged only to him and a handful of his peers. Sure, there were the appropriate candlelight vigils and the church service to honor the brave soul who died fighting the good fight in his ivory tower— but right under the surface, the humor rolled dark and furious. 
I heard that the last pages he read really blew his mind. You know that saying, would it kill you to say something nice? Rachel guessed it had. The jokes and her connection with a man's grisly death gave her some level of notoriety in the English department, something that had its pros and cons. The con being that the rumor mill grouped her in with all the other young co-eds McNeely had been stooping and insinuations she detested. She hadn't been like all the others. She was certain that she'd been his favorite. There were two pros to the rumors, the first being that others on the faculty and even a few agents looking for newbie writers wanted to read the student novel that the great Stan McNeely actually liked.